Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. 70th episode today. It's our 70th episode. Can't believe it. When I started this podcast way back in, uh, I think it was August 2019, I never, ever thought that we could talk this long. Uh, I've been helped along the way, of course, by Steve. Um, Steve is uh, invaluable to this podcast. Uh, he's my mate in Sydney. He owns a GT3. He's owned air cooled. Uh, you've known him before. He's coming on shortly. He's in Sydney, Australia, and he's about to join me by Zoom again for this episode. Yeah, so 70 episodes. So I just want to say before we get into this, and I'll say it when Steve comes online too, but you know, thank you very, very much. Thank you for the support. Thank you for um, motivating me, I guess, in a way uh, to keep talking. Uh, to keep talking with Steve, to keep talking with uh, all the other owners. It doesn't take much. Um, your guys' comments, your guys, uh, you know, everything that all those guys, everyone, all of you who've been reaching out to me, I should say, uh, I really, really appreciate it. It really does. Um, I, I'm lost for words. It, it really is fantastic, the support the podcast has had. So thank you very much. Um, 70, epi- 70 episodes is, is a bit of a milestone, I reckon, for, for, for any podcast to talk for, um, you know, most of the episodes are over an hour. Um, and I couldn't have done it, like I said, I couldn't have done it without Steve, couldn't have done it without the owners who have been on the owner's story so far. Every every week I'm having uh, a lot of you guys contacting me. You know that I'm, I will eventually get back to you. I do always answer on Instagram if you send me a private message. It's always the best way to get me. Through Porsche Cooled, through the, through the Instagram Porsche Cooled. But yeah, so anyway, let, let's get Steve. Let's talk about this 70 episodes of Porsche Cooled podcast. Um, I'll be back in a second. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Steve is here. Hi, Steve. Hello, mate. Hello, everyone. How are you going? Hello, everyone. I never say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit tweet, isn't should, it? Maybe, be, maybe edit that one out. <laughs> I should be more polite. No editing on this podcast. I don't cut anything out, just so people know. Someone oh. asked me that when I did uh, one of the owner stories. I say, do you edit things out? I said, not really. I said, I like really? to just... Um, not really, do no. A- because. Hmm? Do a, do a Zuckerman then. Fuck you, motherfuckers. You can't swear. Actually, someone <laughs> someone sent me a message about that. Uh, I think it was Michael, actually, who I'm going to get onto a second, who's a new Patreon member. He said he likes mm. how we just have the casual swear words and we're not swearing a lot. So thanks for using the, the worst swear words in the world, <laughs> Steve. Oops. Now Sorry, Apple, Michael. Uh, now <laughs> Apple will um, flag us and we'll be like banned from Apple Podcasts or something. Um, cause whenever you swear or when, if you're talking like that in a podcast, you actually have to mm. put the podcast has explicit language and whatever. So I have yep. ours as being a clean podcast. It's not a dirty Oops. podcast. No, that's I think it's fine. I guess, but I guess you'd be editing for the first time. No, somebody asked me and I don't know who this was and they're probably going to remember when they're listening to this, uh, had an owner mm. stories and someone said, do you just record it? You know, do you stop and start or do you just, re- just record it in one go? Or do you, ha- do you cut out a lot of things that we talk about? And I said, it always works best on an owner's stories. And if you're thinking of contacting me for an owner's stories, please do. Um, there, is a bit of a, mm. there is a bit of a lineup, though, for people at the moment because I'm slowly getting through them. I can't do more, any more than a couple of weeks. It's, it's just too much work for me. Um, yeah, tons of work. I've lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, someone – and I said, Whether no, it actually – you cut yeah, things, yeah. Yeah, and owner's stories, it actually works better. It does actually work better, Steve, when it's just a continual flow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. just keep you just talk for the hour and, and it goes very quickly and it's just a continual flow. Um, so that's how that works. Um, but welcome well, back. Just in case anyone's mm-hmm. interested, though, because um, but you still, in terms of editing, you still actually kind of cut pauses and the ums and ahs and my neighbour's singing and all that. 
so like that's where a lot of the work goes into like if these chats literally kind of last say an hour and a half and when they're published they're like an hour and 15 kind of thing you've got to listen to it like at least once or twice in terms of kind of cutting it off and tweaking levels and stuff like that exactly exactly but Okay, to do, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, and you know this, but a podcast we do hmm. is about an hour, but we talk before and after, so it's probably like an hour and a half, sometimes yep. more. Um, yep. And then the editing, and then the promotion once a podcast is up. So it worked out that a podcast, in it takes me about four and a half hours per podcast in my time to put a podcast up. So that's the recording of it, the editing of it, and also the, you know, the half an hour or so time spent on Instagram. So it's about yeah. four, four hours, I guess, with recording and editing. But an edit, as Steve said, you know, after this is a done... Big yeah, and after yeah. this is done, especially today, because this goes up early on Patreon, to get it up on Patreon one day earlier means I have to... You know, it takes me... It literally takes me two hours to edit a podcast because it's yeah. only an hour long, but you're cutting bits out, you know, you're adjusting the sound, you know, you're doing things. Some are quicker, some are quicker when I'm not doing as much talking and it's more on one side, the conversation's on one side, Steve, um, mm. it, it tends to be, be quicker. Um, but yeah, we do, we do cut out ums, we do cut, cut out pauses. I mean, sometimes with Zoom, Zoom doesn't play very nicely and, and there's weird sounds and things like that. Some things I can't fix up, some things I have to leave. I must admit though, like I'm assuming that that's why a lot of the social media influencer world went from YouTube to podcast because um, the amount of effort that would go into kind of filming a YouTube video would be like a lot more than four hours for, you know, like what a 20, a 20 minute or 10, sorry, a 10 minute YouTube video I'm assuming would take um, like quite a few hours to kind of produce, to film, edit, all of that sort of stuff. Well, the way I do YouTube Depending videos, is. I'd, ha- yeah. I'd have to say I'd rather it, it's easier to do a video. It's easier to do a YouTube video. <laughs> is it? It's easier for me to edit on Final Cut Pro and do the editing yep. and get the video up. I find it, I find it easier than a podcast. I think a podcast is harder because you're always fretting over the sound on 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 podcast oh, because okay. of the fact that it is a podcast. You know, when a, a YouTube video, I mean, it de- I guess it depends on how much production you do, but. Uh, sort of, you know, sorry, when, and in my head, I guess when I say YouTube video, I was sort of thinking more like um, something where you're in the car, you might sort of do a couple of exterior bits, you might be talking in the car and all of that sort of stuff, and, yeah. as opposed to something where you might just be in your apartment with like two camera angles or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I still think if you do an in-car video and you're sitting in the car, mm. and I've said this once before, that if you've got the mm. GoPro on, um, and you do a couple of outside shots when you're parked and you do, you know, stick a GoPro on the back for one bit of it. Yeah. It, it's pretty easy to talk for 10 minutes in the car. You know what I mean? The hard bit is actually to get the video down to shorter, I guess, mm. because mm. I don't know, I, I'm getting a little bit bored with YouTube at the moment and I haven't been watching as much because I'm finding all these channels are getting really stale and I am actually still finding, and I know you probably don't agree with me this too, but I, I find this... Mm. I mean, obviously, the normal guys who are just buying cars all the time, you know what I mean? I find mm. it a little bit boring. And then I find the production of a lot of these videos a little bit mm, too much. I find that they're just a little bit too much. What do you mean by too much? As in too much like a sort too of many, TV show or? Mm, too many, yeah, I don't know. I, I find some of them, the, the, the effects they use a little bit much. I think some of them, they're just going a little bit too much. 
And then yeah, the, it depends, then all the, depends then all on the, who and what, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, in general, for me, I, I, I think a YouTube is, is quicker. I mean, obviously, if you're just doing yeah, right. a tech, if you're doing a tech YouTube video, you're doing a watch one, you can knock it out pretty quickly. Quick, pretty quickly. Yep. Um, it depends on how fussy you are. Mm, it's funny. Well, like last week, I think, I, as you know, I sort of shot a what would be sort of termed a TV ad, like a thirty-second TV commercial, and that was for 30, 30 seconds worth of kind of film. We basically shot like the entire day. Um, we had to cram it in. It was like nine till six thirty. But that's so that kind of gives you an idea of what happens. Well, it wasn't. Um, wasn't really. It wasn't sort of like a proper kind of old school sort of TVC. But um, yeah, that's sort of what it takes to kind of do something like that. So yeah, no. So a whole day of footage, and then you've got to edit it down to thirty seconds. You know, that's mm-hmm. when it becomes tricky. Full on, yeah. That's when it becomes tricky. That's why, I mean, I think sometimes, and when you're doing YouTube, and I think people starting off on YouTube, I think the worst thing you can do is get too much footage when you're starting. Because I think you just find it, especially when you're editing, and if you're not familiar with editing, and I know some people still edit in iMovie, and I don't know how they do it because it's so (laughs) so limiting. You have to edit in Premiere, or you have to edit in, in Final Cut. I mean, iMovie is just, I don't know, for me it's just so painful. Too primitive. It's too primitive. It's too basic. You can't do anything. Um, But you know what I mean, though, Steve? If you're starting off and you get so much footage, you know, break it down into two videos, break it down into three videos. Don't just try not to use it all in one because you'll just just confuse yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, Without getting too technical, editing is a a real craft. It's a massive um, sort of thing onto its own. Like um, I've worked with... Um, a couple of amazing editors and it's like, oh, I had no idea how you managed to tell that story um, with those kind of pictures and those takes and all of that sort of stuff so succinctly. Um, that, that, that's kind of like what um, advertising is about. Like the, it's sort of like the craft of trying to condense something into like, you know, bite-sized chunks for people to kind of consume as yeah. opposed to um, and, and without content, losing like, the message, which is right? form. Without yeah. losing the message, yeah, yeah. which is the hardest part. The hardest part, yeah. making sure people still get that takeaway. People still have that thing in their head that you want them to have, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and that's, yeah, yeah. that's where the art comes in. That's where Steve is very good, everybody. No, not me. <laughs> it's not me. I, I, I'm no editor. <laughs> um, anyway. What was I going to say? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I think YouTube videos are easier. I think podcasts are difficult. I know a lot of people starting up podcasts. Um, Mark, mm. who was on Owner's Stories, Mark and Cars, who's got a YouTube video, he sent me a message yesterday, I think, or the day before. Um, he's started a podcast, I think, with a friend of his. You know, and it's not, it's not easy. It's really, it really isn't easy. And I think mm. when people start doing these things, and I think the hardest thing about YouTube, and if anyone's listening to the podcast who wants to get into talking about Porsches or talking about watches or talking about whatever you're interested in, the hardest part... Mm. Is as everyone keeps saying, it, it it is a monster that you create. It is a monster that you have to keep feeding. It is a monster that you have to keep making content. And anyone can start a podcast, but to keep doing it for 10, mm. 20, 30, 100, 200 episodes is hard. And that's when people drop off. Um, and it's also yeah. people that go on YouTube and think they're going to get a million subscribers or 100,000 subscribers and make you know so much money each month. It doesn't happen. It's very slow. Yeah. There are lucky ones, but it doesn't happen that quickly. Um, and you have to just, you know, you have to just keep persevering. And YouTube, you really do need to bring out. Um, and I've been watching, <clears throat> I've been watching videos on 
I'll just say investing, you know what I mean? Digital currency, mm. currency investing videos on YouTube. <laughs> and there's so yep. many of them, Steve. I didn't realize is how yeah, saturated right. the market is. And these people, they're like, some of them are like car massive salesmen. Massive views though? They're like car salesmen. Are there massive views on it? Yeah. Yeah. Like in views in hundreds of thousands kind of Not thing? Not hundreds of thousands, but the subscribers, the people that are subscribing you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Like the 200,000 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers, and people are saying how they're, you know, these guys are, some of these guys are doing more than one video a day. Though. Yeah. They're doing, two, they're putting up, two, one guy put up two videos in the space of like two hours. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's crazy what people are doing. Um, and, but that's what you, thought, YouTube is about. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting that, um, like in the car world, or like, probably more from you because I've never kind of done YouTube and all that sort of stuff. I don't know anyone else that does it. But um, in terms of kind of numbers, when you've sort of said to me that um, you get a lot more views when you do tech and watches as you do than you do with um, Porsches, I find that kind of interesting. Um, And then I also find it interesting, well, I made an assumption that if you're going to talk about like a niche group of um, car enthusiasts that Porsche would probably be quite high. So I can't imagine what, you know, like a, a Alpine kind of <laughs> podcast or channel, like in terms of what sort of numbers they would kind of draw. Like I um, guess pretty I mean, hard to mm. turn it into a, a, a legitimate kind of full-on sort of living, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, but then you look at Doug DeMuro and you see what he's got, you know what I mean? You look at his views and... Different though. And not, then you look that's at, not one make. Yeah, then you look at straight pipes. Yeah, true, it's not one make, is it? No, look, no. you know, tech videos, I think my highest video is something to do with GoPro and I think it's like 140,000 views at the moment or something, something like yeah, that, right. 140,000. Yep. And then watch yep. ones that I did a year ago at 40,000, 45,000 or something. Like I don't look at yep. them all the time and then I go back and look at them and go, wow, how did it get so high? And some of the yeah, ones yeah, I've yeah. done, there's one video and I'm not going to mention which one, that took me literally no time to make like I made it so quickly I cannot tell you how quickly I made it and yep. it's probably had the most comments um, the most feedback and not all ne- not all negative either um, yep. of all, all the videos I've done and it was literally about um, you know headphones but it mm. just somehow it must have got spread somewhere and it was just at one point there it was crazy I was getting you know so many comments every day like so many people mm-hmm. commenting on this video it's just weird it's just very very weird it's a very strange world. I don't, uh, I don't really understand it, but it sounds like the people that kind of work in it don't really can't really predict it as well. When you listen to Matt Farrer and all those guys, um, doesn't matter how studious you kind of get about it. Like I think you kind of get to a point where obviously um, you do okay, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they know exactly how to predict what um, sort of rates well or doesn't rate well. Yeah, and he's a, he's a great example actually because even you know that conversation he was having with um, Larry, I always forget the guy's last name, the Mo New York City guy, and he was like idea. he had some live chat with him, podcaster was yeah. podcast with really bad yeah. sound where it was all out of sync. Um, that podcast, and he just couldn't believe how many views that he had on his videos that that Mo New York City yeah. had on his videos, and it was actually you could yeah. see it was starting to annoy him, like why are our yeah. videos this bad? <laughs> And he was looking at Zach, you know, why are our videos that bad? Because it is, it's like that you think, what am I doing wrong? How are you getting, you yeah. know, three million views in, in, in a week? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's well known. Smoking Tire is well known, but his views don't always match that. His views are not always that high, I've noticed, on some of his videos. I think, well, see, I think that's just because, like, car enthusiasts are probably, they're just, 
it's not as prolific as like tech stuff. Well, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that watches are kind of that much more popular than sort of cars, but you know. It, if I was doing a, if you were doing a YouTube channel, you need to really. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do it the best way because you really should just pinpoint one thing. I like to have a you yeah. know a variety of things. I've always liked to have that variety. You know what I mean? But yeah. if you're yeah. doing one thing, do a tech video, do a tech YouTube channel, do a watch YouTube channel. If do a watch YouTube channel, you will, it will work really really well. Is it? Or do a um a crypto YouTube channel. <laughs> they're the three, <laughs> I reckon. But to me, they're the three at the moment that are the ones that are. And watch, I think it's watches and crypto. Actually, watches and crypto is is, is the is the thing on YouTube at the moment. Yeah, it seems to be. It seems to be. Anyway, back to the um, back to today's episode. Um, I did say in the beginning, Steve, this is number seventy. Mm. This is our seventieth episode. I can't believe we're at seventy. It's it seems mm. crazy. And I said in the intro, I can't believe how. We've we can talk for this many episodes. You know, we actually got to seventy episodes, which is that's what my wife. That's what my wife reckons too. It's like, how on earth do you keep talking about stuff? It's yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, and Tasha says the same to me. Going to do for, for an hour? How do you do it? You guys are still enjoying us, so we'll keep doing it while you're enjoying listening to us. Um, the <laughs> well, feedback, we think is, you are. <laughs> the feedback is great. No, I get feedback. The feedback seems to be, um, you know, good. Mm-hmm. But it's it's crazy that we could do seventy episodes. I, I just still can't believe it. But just back on to, I just want to mention a couple of things before we get into the chat, deep into the chat, yep. Steve, deep into the chat. Um, Apple ratings and reviews. Um, thank you to everyone who, when I did the shout out, I noticed the numbers go up and people are giving us star ratings, Steve's, and people are, there was, I think, one more review, one or two. I think there was one review uh, mm-hmm. from 997 Melbourne. So thank you for the review, whoever 997 Melbourne is. That was on Apple Podcast Australia. Unfortunately, I, I only see what they it. drive. Yeah, 997. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who that is. Maybe I do know them, but if you if if you left that review, I thanks, where they live. thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Patreon, Patreon. Um, I changed it slightly. I did actually add. I added a different membership tier, mm-hmm. and I added a higher membership tier to the thing. And basically, it it to be really honest with everyone, it's it's just giving us extra support. It doesn't um it doesn't provide any extra benefits. It's just double the amount. So I have added an extra tier. Uh, we had a new member to that tier during the week and that mm-hmm. was, um, actually before Michael. I get into the new member, we had, yeah, before I get into that, we had uh, Mac. I don't know whether last week I did a shout out to Mac M. Did I do a shout out to a Patreon? Yeah, I thought you did. I did? Oh, okay. Didn't I wasn't you? sure. I couldn't remember and I didn't have time this morning to re-listen to the podcast to find out. Um, but Mac M was last week. So thank you, Mac M. If, if I thank you already, I'll thank you again. And the new member for this week, uh, this week was um, Michael. Uh, okay, Michael's Michael. from San Francisco. He's a longtime Porsche enthusiast. Um, so thank you for joining, Michael. And he shared his... I won't share his Instagram on the podcast because I'm not sure if he wants me to share it. But he, he he's into Porsches. He's a Porsche enthusiast. And uh, so he was uh, he joined the podcast and enjoyed it. He's the, he's the guy that said, you know, he likes how we don't swear all the time and it's just the occasional curse word coming in. Um, normally from Steve, actually, because I never don't. I normally usually don't swear. You don't until I screwed it up. Because I remember asking you right at the beginning, it's like, oh, can I talk like I normally talk? Can I swear? And you sort of said, eh, you can. But I don't know. I'm just um, slowly coming out of my shell, I think. In episode 70. <laughs> yeah uh porsche called owner stories another good one and 
I know there was a slight issue with the sound. I couldn't fix it completely. I think it's okay, but there was a slight issue with the sound. I don't want to sort of dwell on it, but there was a slight issue. Um, that was Amir from LA. Amir was really interesting because Amir has mm. um, two 911s, both Cabriolets, uh, which he enjoys thoroughly. He bought his first one, which was the 997.2, Steve, the black one. Mm-hmm. And then he bought a Glacier White 998, 993. Mm-hmm. The Instagram I put on the notes, which I gave to you, is not his Instagram. His Instagram is air, a, at A-R-K-U-H-L. Uh, it's a new Instagram. Uh, Amir sent that up basically, I think, to contact with me, contact, contact me to set up the um, owner stories. So go over to his Instagram, yep. have a look, and give him a follow. Get his numbers up a little bit there. He does his own maintenance. Uh, listen to the episode, though. Everyone should listen to the episode because it is pretty good. He does his own maintenance. He talks about the difference between the 997.2 maintenance and, 99, and the 993 maintenance, Steve. He also uh, explains how the 993 is a lot harder. He didn't say yeah, that 997 was... Yeah, he, he didn't tell me the 997 was easy, but it's, it's easier than the 993. Um, but he he's very um, analytical. He's very planned. He does his research mm-hmm. before he does the work. He plans it out. He works out what he has to do, and then he does the work. But he does all of his own maintenance on both the cars. And he lives in L.A., and he's close to all those great roads in L.A., so he's got great roads at his doorstep. That's why mm-hmm. he loves the Cabriolet. He loves the Cabriolet, the sound. Uh, I think the 997.2 has an exhaust on it. I can't remember what it was again. X-pipe on the mm-hmm. 997. Uh, and the 993 has yeah. got a Fister as well. And his son wants him to get a Fister Stage 3 or something for the 993, which he hasn't done yet, but he's, I think he's thinking about it. So that was Do another... It. Hmm? Do it. Is that what you had, that the Fister Stage 3? What did I have? No, I had something done locally that was a Fister style model. What do you, what's the other one? The Gunda Hack? They're the very similar things. I had that, plus I had an X-Pipe, which got rid of the cats... So my 993, by the time I was done with it, was incredibly loud, but it sounded cool. Steve so likes his cars loud. Don't you, I, Steve? I do. <laughs> I do, I do. Likes to wake up the neighbours, likes to rattle those windows of the morning. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it's a great sounding car, 993, with um, an exhaust, so... How much is the... Um, I understand. How much is the Carrera GT at Dutton's? There's a Carrera GT. Dutton's is in Melbourne, if people who don't know. It's a, it sells a lot of Porsches, a lot of expensive cars, Ferraris, Porsches, rare cars. Um, how much was it? Did it have a price on it? Michael, if you have to ask, then clearly you cannot afford. It's his price on asking. Oh, really? Yeah. I reckon that it would be the mm. last... Carrera GT that came up in Australia in GT Silver was for sale at it could have been Scuderia Graziani I think mm. I did see one and it was 2.2 whoa really yep what would they have cost um, well could, you I only know US you... prices I only know US prices they're 450,000 US dollars they dropped down to half yeah. of that based on Jay Leno's video that he was talking about, and now they're at, at a million US. Because there wouldn't have been that many delivered to Australia. They're, left, they're left-hand drive cars. You can't. Can, can you register it? Guess Only left-hand drive. I'm not sure how you would register that. I know that that guy on YouTube, the Australian guy, the muscle guy, I don't know his name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Supercar Advocates. Yeah. He had one, yeah. and he was driving it on the road, so you must be able to drive it. Because he picked it up yeah. from Porsche Willoughby and he was driving it around. 
Yep. The car's nice though. I'm just looking at it on um, Dutton's. Um, it would be a dream car to own. So. Yeah, and it sounds amazing. The Jay Leno one sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah. We mentioned that before. Just the sound of it is um, kind of incredible at V10. Anyway. What's the exhaust on your mate's GT3? Is he has he got an exhaust on his car? Yeah, I Did crawled underneath it to kind of have a look. Um, I think it looks like a fab speed to me. Like, because a Soul exhaust, I'm pretty sure they um, there's like tons of Soul logos all over it, and I couldn't see anything like that. It looked like a fab speed. Um, okay, it sounded pretty good. I was quite surprised at how um, how compared to my Sharks. Shark works style exhaust. Um, it's his is considerably louder than that. So um, right. Has he had any? Yeah. Um, has he had a service done on his car yet? Yeah, he just um, so his car came with a whole bunch of um, sort of track bits, like an extra set of wheels and a seat and a harness bar and um, bits and pieces. He finally got that, so he was quite pleased with that. Um, he discovered that um, the car's got spaces on it which is kind of interesting right um, he likes the look of spaces but i suspect like i remember on my 993 i had some uh some rook wheels which had some funny offsets which i didn't really realize it at the time when i had had it fitted but um when i went back to kind of the factory um turbo wheels um the car handled so much better so i'm um, i sort of told him that like i'm not quite sure about sort of really wide offsets on um on line 11 right right um but yeah he took his car in for a service with um a different kind of indie um who i've i'd heard of in sydney um what's it called pit exchange um, i've never heard of them i've never heard that that company before i have on andre at pit exchange um Car's still there, like he's kind of just working his way through it, but um, basically confirmed that the car was really good, like, you know, no major kind of things, but he's just kind of, you know, doing what I would do too, which is just have like a full service done, change out the plugs, all the fluids, all of that sort of stuff. He's getting the suspension just sort of reset. Um, is he getting them to check of, the coolant lines? Did you mention that to him? Uh, yeah, I mentioned to him. It's funny, after the last... Um, after the last podcast that we kind of went through, like things that go wrong on a, um, uh, or sorry, previous one, 997, um, I, it just sort of spiked my memory to kind of mention it to my mate. And he sort of said, yeah, he should um, kind of ask the mechanic to kind of keep an eye out for it too. So uh, it sounds like the car's clean. It's all really good. It's just sort of, you know, he's working his way through it and just sort of making it just so. Um, right, right. I actually did remember there was one other little thing. Uh, this might not be that interesting, but um, I read a lot on Renlist that um, 997.1 GD3s get uh, come stand with an LSD, a limited slip diff in the back. Um, right. But apparently they're not particularly durable and they kind of wear quite quickly. Um, but I've never kind of interrogated, I've never asked Autohouse like what condition my LSD is in. Oh, okay. Um, I suspect I just don't drive the car hard enough because I wouldn't sort of really be sliding or kind of breaking traction in the rear to kind of really notice the difference whether it did function or didn't function. Um, but what's the lifespan of them supposed to be? Is there any information um, readily available that the lifespan of the 
LSD? Not long. I think, like, particularly if you track your car, um, when you kind of just look it up on the rentless forums, people that track their car just sort of say that the LSD kind of gives up pretty right. quickly. Um, I wonder how you know if it's it. gone, though. How do you know? What are the telltale signs? Uh, I know that, like, I think you put you jack your car up and if you sort of try to spin one wheel, they should kind of spin independently, is it? Together. Oh, geez, I'm going to get this wrong, so I'm not going to actually say it out loud. I sound like a complete tool. Um, but yeah, like there are ways of kind of figuring it out. But um, anyway, I was just I mentioned that to my mate because I was just kind of curious to see if um, if um, his car was going to if um, the mechanic picked up anything with his um, limited slip diff as well. All right. Diff. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. What was that? And then we saw uh, the Steve sent me a link to an article: ten collector cars you should watch in twenty twenty one. And one of them was the Daily Porsche. Is that what he called it? The Daily Porsche. Yeah. What was it? Is it classic? uh, It's on classicdriver.com, which I think is English, isn't it? Um, Yes, it is. The journal that sort of wrote the article. um, He he himself actually um, invested in a nine nine seven. He sort of rated that as. one of the cars that they anticipated going to appreciate, I suppose. Yeah, the perfect perfect British daily driver, the Gen 1 Porsche 911 997 3.6, uh, editor-in-chief, mm. Jan. I'm just reading the basic paragraph here. Um, mm. But basically exciting and so much value for money, the 997 in all variants is a hot ticket to pure driving experience that nothing else can compete with for the price. So it's kind of relevant when we're talking about 997s last week, about what not to like, what not to like about the 997. Mm. So as a daily Porsche, this is what the guy reckons uh, is the one, is the pick. The Gen 1, 997 Carrera 3.6, base model. Do you reckon the price is on the rise? Have you been keeping an eye out? I haven't been keeping an eye out that much. I, I sent a message. Uh, did I mention the, t- the 996 that came through on car sales last week? I don't think I did. I think it came out, came no. out after the podcast. A 996 came through on, a, on the email message from car sales in Australia, the car site. And yep. it was a Targa, actually. And it was in blue. It was almost 200,000 kilometers. Tan in, full tan interior, tan steering wheel, everything. Not well looked after. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. Se- almost 80,000, 79,990. 80,000 Australian oh. dollars, which was really, really expensive. Um, I sent it to um, Greg, actually, at First Flat 6. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone, honestly, if anyone wants information about 996s, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> Greg has the, um, what is it, curated service, you know, concierge sort of service, yep. curated service about 996s. Greg really yep. is the man to go to. He's the guy. If you want a 996 guy, honestly, he knows a lot more than me. Um, and mm-hmm. I sent that to him and he thought it was, it was very high. But he was saying that prices in the US were, were going up as well. Um, but I just mentioned mm-hmm. that one episode I mentioned, I think it was in an owner's stories. I asked someone if they're going to get the 0.1 or the 0.2996 GT3. It could have been yep. Ryan actually in one of the previous owner's stories. I think it was Ryan yep. actually. Um, the 996.1 GT3 wasn't available in the US. I didn't know that. So... No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Greg told me that. I didn't know that. And also another interesting fun fact, actually, and I'm going to mention it. I had it written down to mention that Ryan mentioned, uh, you know, things that sort of got him into Porsche, the things he remembers. And of course, it was bad Mm. boys, you know, like this is not this week's owner stories, the week before. Um, Yep. Ryan from Chicago. Bad boys, the black turbo, Mm. which is everyone's iconic sort of 911. 
And then the other yeah, one was Gone in 60 whatever. Seconds, yeah. Gone in 60 Seconds, yep. which I kind of forgot about, which was the 996, that they go into the dealer, they break, they break out and they steal the 996. So Greg sent me some interesting fun facts. I don't know whether you saw the link I sent you this morning, Steve, that it wasn't mm. the 996 at that time that movie came out wasn't available in the United States. So they made that 996 out of the converted 70s SC. Yeah, right. I'm and just looking at it. He yep. sent me the link. It's actually, um, I think it's for sale. And there's a, <laughs> there's a link. I can't remember what, what the site, what was the site called? It's um, Barrett Jackson, the auction. Yeah, barrettjackson.com. And it's got a lot number 1020.2, 1978. And it's a 996, which is really weird when you look at it. 1978 mm. Porsche 911 two-door coupe Tina. And it was basically the one that was used in, um, it was got used in Gone in 60 Seconds, the film starring Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, Robert Duvall. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's it. So that was, I thought that was an interesting I'm looking at fact. a picture of it, I can't quite, you can tell that something's not quite right. It's sort of like I think when, it sits um, a bit higher. I think Greg was saying you can see it because it actually sits a little higher as well. Yeah, but it's, it's sort weird. of like you can tell, like when a '70s Carrera has sort of, you know, like they used to put like um, 993 body kits on like '70s and '80s um, 911s yeah. to kind of try to update them, and you can just sort of tell that it looks kind of good, but there was something just really not quite right about it, and it's got this has that look about it. Yeah, I can't quite put my eye on what it I is. I watched, I watched the clip actually, because I've I'd kind of forgotten about the clip. And when Ryan mentioned it to me after I finished the podcast, I think a couple of days later, I went on to YouTube and I found the clip and I watched it. And after I yeah. watched it, I thought it was a 996. And then, you know, the episode came out and Greg sent me that message. It was like, really? And then you look at yeah, it right. again, you think, oh yeah, it kind of doesn't look hundred <laughs> percent. There's something a bit yeah. weird, isn't it? It's just when yeah. you know it, you can see it. When you know it, you can Looks see it. Looks a bit it. wonky. Looks, um, looks like the German dude on the production line had a few too many beers that day. But, you know, we've got to have the 996 in the movie. You know, it's really important. Oh, they're not out yet. We'll just make one that looks like a 996. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just use it like a something else, you know? Some, Product it, placement. I know, I know. Yeah. What else, mate? What else? Uh, we're going to get into... So we're going to talk about what we think of um, special edition Porsches, anniversary edition Porsches, actually. Yeah, let's just get into it. We want to get straight into um, it. I just want to talk quickly, yeah, though, about yeah, that, that video that I sent you because it made me feel like joy inside when I watched it the other night and I sent it to you thinking you will feel the same way I do um, because we oh, both love... Sorry, yeah, both, I'm trying to work out one you're talking we about. We both love a clean car. We both love a clean car. And there's a there's a video on MO New York City, check it out on YouTube, where he buy, yeah. he's bought a Macan, Larry's bought a Macan, and it hasn't been washed in one year. One, I wanted to send it to Steve because I think Steve would just be purely disgusted with how an owner couldn't wash their car for 12 months. And then he cleans He's a detailer. It. And then he, yeah. then he details it, you know, to the nth degree, takes the wheels off, he like toothbrushing yeah. it. it. It's very satisfying. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you like seeing a car become clean, watch it. It's a very satisfying video. There is something, I don't know, I think they kind of joke about it on Smoking Tire too when they talk to him, like just there's something just uh, very appealing for all of us to kind of watch a car that started out dirty but then sort of looks almost brand new. I, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. I don't know, is that like sort of triggering OCD in all of us? A little or? bit, a little bit. I like that yeah. one though because it's not like a barn find where it's just been, you know, it's just basically been driven yeah. and just not washed. It's like it's like the car in Bahrain <laughs> just never gets washed, like that Audi that I yeah, had in Bahrain true. where the paint and you put your hand over it and there's no more clear coat. It's just... <laughs> It's just rough. 
It, it is funny because, like, um, I remember, like, when I first met my wife, um, you know, I used to kind of go over and just for something to do, I'd kind of go and wash her car or, like, one of the family kind of cars. And it's like, you could pretty much tell that they'd never, ever been kind of washed. And sort of like a bit of a challenge to um, sort of take a car that sort of isn't cared for, like, the way that, you know, enthusiasts would just sort of see if you can get it back up to scratch. Um, yeah. But, I don't think I'd want to do it full-time, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I want to do it as a job, though. I think it would be very back-breaking. You know what back, I mean? Yeah, I was about to say the back pain would be just horrendous. Yeah. And you notice that um, Larry Casilla is always smart enough to kind of wear um, masks and everything because of all those sort of coatings and chemicals that he uses. True, true. So this year, Steve, as we know, and it's been in the press mm. because of the new edition, is the 25th uh, anniversary of the Boxster. Um, I can't believe it's yep. 25 years. I remember when I saw I, I remember when I saw my first Boxster actually. Uh, it was in Elizabeth mm. Bay in Sydney. I was living in Elizabeth mm. Bay. And yep. one went past. One went past in silver. And I think it was just was a standard one. And I remember well, yes, look, it was silver. Yeah, and I remember looking at it thinking, that is so wide. Like the back of that car is so wide. That what is that car? That, yep. that looks so cool. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's my first impression of it. I remember seeing it and thinking, wow, that's a really cool-looking car. And then you started to see yeah. a lot around Sydney. They were quite popular. They were popping up everywhere. Um, so what was that, 97 or something, 97, 98? 90, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's the 25th anniversary of Boxster. They brought out that new edition. I think we might have mentioned, did we mention it, the Boxster 25th anniversary edition, which, you know, Steve and I think looks pretty good, um, celebrating the original, you know, Boxster Ish. when it... The original, yeah, the original concept, right? Ish, ish. Um, it's the silver, GT silver. It's got gold, bronze details. It, Which is the come- thing I really liked about the show car. So it's sort of um, the car that they unveiled at, I can't remember which motor show it was, um, was amazing. Like that that original Boxster show car with the kind of exhaust. Was that an exhaust bit that was down the side of the car, like down yeah, near the yeah. sill? But, yeah. And it had this sort of little goldish, bronzish, it's got a funny name details and everything that thing looked amazing um the actual production car didn't translate quite as nicely which was slightly unfortunate no. but it still was a great car um, no it didn't translate as I, well but that's mm. weird for porsche don't you think sorry steve just interrupt for a second because you look at the mm. mission e and and the taycan you know from concept was mission e wasn't it the taycan's yep uh, yep, yep. It, it's pretty close like it looks I think pretty, because, pretty um, close. Because you're talking 25 years ago, like what was released at a similar time, SLK, Merck SLK, the very TT, first, wasn't it? Um, was it TT those? time? Yeah. TT was around that time. I think a lot of those cars didn't quite translate from the show car to the production car. So I think a lot of the manufacturers got slammed a little bit. I remember reading that type of thing in in the press. Not, not slam slammed, but... Um, so I think manufacturers kind of cottoned on to the fact that it was almost like a bit more of a badge of honor that, um, that if your production car looks a lot more like your show car, like the, the latest Z car, the Nissan Z car, yeah. um, that's sort of been released. There's a lot of yeah. talk about that kind of thing. And I think they've just gotten a bit smarter about trying to make sure that, um, what they then release to the public actually looks like, um, the thing they sort of make a bit of a song and dance about. I think the problem... I mean, you and I have spoken about this off, off recording, but the problem mm. is is that 
it's good to celebrate the Boxster. It is 25 years, and Porsche like to celebrate various um, milestones, mm. and they bring mm. out additions for those milestones. I, I guess, and I'm speaking for you, we're not huge fans of these additions. I'm not a huge fan of the, the this, these additions that Porsche brings out. I know they have a special badge, and they have special, you know, different styling tweaks and things like that. In yeah. general, there is a there are a couple that I like. There are a couple that I like. Not, and I think there's there's one in the Boxster that I like in particular. I don't know yeah. how many of these um, special edition Boxsters have come out, Steve. But I do. I mean, I know of what three three so far during the Boxster's lifetime that we both mm-hmm. you know both are aware of. The one, the first one there's being probably the, more than that. Yeah, there's probably been more than that. But the these anniversary editions, there was the one in 2004 which was the Boxster S550 Spider 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I quite like that one. Uh, I think it was about $190,000 in Australia. Um, I think there was about, ni- what was it, 19, 1,953 units were produced worldwide, but it was about $190,000 in Australia. I think this mm-hmm. new Boxster for the 25th anniversary, I think it's the same around about the same price. I think it's almost $200,000, $190,000. They're not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap for a Boxster. Yeah, I mean, absolute sort of... Basic rule of thumb seems to be like um, they take an S model, or I guess these days because now there's a GTS model. It's almost like they take a GTS and they kind of give it a special kind of color, some different wheels with some interesting details, uh, the obligatory kind of plaque that tells you that you've kind of got you know the 53rd out of the 1950, not 1953 kind of production models. Yeah, I don't know it. It, I, I sort of tend to kind of look at it a little bit cynically and kind of go, oh, it's a bit of a marketing type of thing just to, to sell cars, which, you know, is understandable, like they're there to sell cars. But I guess I guess maybe like if you were in the market, like if you were going to go, oh, um, you know, I've got, got money to burn, I want to buy a Boxster and I'm, you know, I want to buy a brand new one. Um, and then it just so happens that the, you know, 25th anniversary thing was there. It's like, oh, okay, well, if you like the colour and all of that sort of stuff, then, yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, I guess. But would I specifically go to buy one um, with the view of speculating that it might be worth something in, you know, 10, 20 years? I don't reckon, but that's just me. See, I think you got to look at the history of the prices of these cars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they sell mm. more than a, than a boxed uh, you know, box to S of the same period, yep. but sometimes yep. not a lot more, not that much yep. more. I mean, like I said, the 2004 box to S 550 Spider Edition, the one from 20, yep. 2004, you know, I saw one advertised in Queensland and I've mentioned it in the previous podcast, it was yep. 40,000 Australian dollars. Yep. In the UK, I think they're about 20,000 pounds or something. I saw a couple advertised at 20 odd thousand pounds. There's a guy in Australia just listed one now, he wants 80,000 Australian dollars for it. You know, and right. then that other edition, you know, the other... See, what I worry about with these... In the Boxster in particular, and we'll get onto the 911, but because of the Boxster, you yep. know, there, there are previous editions. So you can see how the prices have settled. You know what I mean? Yep. They're not really a, a, an appreciating asset. I mean, maybe in another 20 years well, they might be. But, you know... It's you will, just... It's a common thing in luxury goods. Like, it's a bit of marketing sort of ploy because it's sort of... Um, how do you explain it? It's like false kind of or engineered scarcity sort of thing yeah. it happens heaps with watches as well where um you know like hublot or whoever kind of bring out a watch and they tell you that you know there's only like 150 of them but 
then, you know, like the next year, they kind of release something which is only slightly different. And then there's like another 250 of them. So, Panerai Panerai was at fault of doing that where they'd have a special edition and then they'd make it a normal edition. And people would get really, really annoyed that it was almost the same as the special edition. Yeah. And look, you know, the psychology of it is that it's sort of trying to make you feel special because you've kind of got something that's rare. Like that's why it's sort of this um, scarcity thing that's supposed to kind of drive your desire and make you think that it's worth more and all of that. But it's not really quite the same as, you know, um, however many Carrera GTs they made or, you know, like well, the 600 um, 997 4-litres um, RSs. Like, it, it's, yeah, it, it's the car's not sort of truly special like um, those sorts of things. It, it's, hard, it's hard to be negative in a way because when you think, you know, there's 1,953 units, say, for the 2004 one. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. that's not yep. very many worldwide. So it is quite rare. Yep. But then it's a common yep. model, which is the Boxster, the Boxster S. You know what I mean? So it's 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 difficult. I mean, like you said, it's, what scar- are you getting? it's scarcity. Like f- it's scarcity. Yeah, in terms of driving, sorry, in terms of driving experience, you could kind of go and get a Boxster S that's probably very similar and it will pretty much drive the same, whereas you can't get, you know, something like a four-liter um, 997 GT3 RS, or you can't get like something akin to a Carrera GT. So exactly, that's exactly. the bit where I think it's a bit, yeah. It, look, not not sort of smashing it kind of thing, but I'm a little bit um, less enthused about that type of thing. They just have to be really careful, that don't they? They don't dilute it because they've just it'd be interesting to mm. see the sales of this one. I mean, this one I guess is special because it is 20th anniversary, right? Um, the other ones were anniversaries of a model, like the 50th anniversary of the Spider. Um, there was that mm-hmm. other model, the RS60 Spider one, which was a um, something to do with the what was it, the RS60 Spider Racer RS60, or something, yep. the 1960, yep. you know, yep. Sebring, Sebring winner or whatever it was. That was another one that they brought out in the Boxster. Then they had that one in the US, <laughs> which I didn't even know about, Steve. The one in the US, which was just orange, which was the, the Boxster, one, yeah. yeah, which was the RS orange color. I didn't actually know about that car until I, I read about it yesterday. I think that's just because. Um, the 997.1 GT3 RS came out in orange and it was such a cool color that they, it's just like, oh, let's kind of release a Boxster that, you know, is in the same sort of, um, that color is literally just called orange. Yeah. And the article I read, but, it said it was shown at the New York Auto Show and it attracted mm-hmm. so much interest that Porsche basically made 500 of them, 250 mm-hmm. in the base model and 250 in the S model. It wasn't just an S model. It was actually just the orange paint job, oh, okay. basically. Oh, I think it had revised, it had body, some of the body was a bit different. It had a, I think it had a better, aggressive, more aggressive sort of front lift and it had a different spoiler at the rear. That's what um, is so clever about kind of Porsches, um, particularly in 996 days where like the Boxster front end and the 996 front end was similar. So they could literally kind of go and grab the turbo front bumper with the bigger sort of air intakes and the deeper kind of bits and then, they could basically take a bit off the 911, like the 996, and then bolt it to, um, you know, a Boxster, and it would sort of make it look and feel a little bit more special. But really, it was just sort of, you know, something that they kind of had yeah. off the shelf that they could kind of stitch together. Yeah, true. But going back to your point about, you know, hmm. um, would you buy something else instead? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I, if I was looking for a Boxster at the moment, I don't think I'd buy the 25th anniversary. You know, I can appreciate it. I think it looks quite nice. I think they've done an okay job on it. I would still, I would still get a, a spider 
I would still either get the, you know, just the four liter GTS. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I would, I would go in that direction. I think those cars will appreciate more than a 25th anniversary model. I don't know why. I think the Spy- I think the Boxster Spider is going to be one of those cars in years to come. Even the one, even the previous model, Steve, I think it's going to be one of those cars in years to come. You go, I should have bought them when they were that low because I think it will actually go up in price. Yeah, I sent you that link to that one recently in Australia that's just under 200, that silver with um, the red interior. Yeah, um, if you're nine, listening from Australia and you want a box to spider, yeah, if you yeah. want a box to spider, the one that Steve sent me, which is on car sales, 199,000 Australian dollars, is really, really nice. 11,000 K, that looks great. Yeah, looks, um, that'd be a mad car to um, own. Yeah, and so well optioned, so well optioned. Yep, um, it's a great one. It's got the red and red and black interior. You know, the spider interior. It's really, really nice. Um, to me, that's what I would buy one of those over a special edition. So, well, this 25th anniversary thing too, I mean, look, it's aesthetic stuff. It's a subjective thing. I'm not a big, I really like the kind of mixture of um, silver and kind of gold detailing, Um, but I'm not a big fan of the wheels. Yeah. Maybe I should should spray my, get my lobsters painted in gold and have gold wheels. Yeah, but it's not gold gold, is it? It's sort of like a bronze gold. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. Um, or yep. white, maybe I'll do white wheels, white painted wheels, yeah, white, paint, white painted lobsters. Yeah, do it. Body But this is the thing. Okay, so we're talking about Boxster, you know, special editions, anniversary editions, you know, all these things that come out. I mean, like I said, there's three of those Boxsters. There's also all the Black Series. I thought the Black Series were only available in Australia. Steve tells me that they're available worldwide. But the Black Series yeah, Boxsters. somebody correct Black- us if we're wrong. There was that Black Edition. I mean, Black Edition. Again, yeah. I... I can't. I, I remember when they kind of came out, and the one thing that um, I sort of thought when I saw um, they were advertising and um, doing all the kind of press releases for it was like, oh, I actually don't mind. It had um, sort of was it matte black decals, decals, whatever, on a gloss black kind of paintwork, and yeah. the overall effect was like, oh, that's quite cool. Like, I don't mind that. It um, is pretty cool. But it yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, that the was the most ed- memorable thing about that car. Yeah, I remember we went to that concourse day in Homebush that time and there was a Black Series Boxster on display. Was there? I don't remember that. Yeah, there was a Black Series Boxster on display. We walked past it and it looked, it was pretty cool. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah, okay. Um, I yeah. don't know what they, I don't think they hold value. I don't think they're, they're that expensive when they come up on, um, when they come up for sale. But the thing is, right. though, the Boxster Special Editions, which one, what, what do you think Porsche does better? You know, let's just talk about a few of the 911 ones, actually, because we're going to talk about, you know, these Special Editions. Are they really that special in a way? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, don't buy one if you think you're going to make a lot of money in the future about it, in the future, because it's going to take a long time, I think, before you're going to get a lot of money back. And don't forget. Yeah, buy it if you like. Just buy like it if you like it. it. The color of it and all that sort of stuff. You know, exactly. like we talked quite a few podcasts ago about that um, reimagined Australian edition, that 99, is that a 991 or 992? Yeah, no, 992. yeah. They were not a fan of that either. They couldn't even get the colour right. No, the colour was <laughs> you know, wrong. Like the original, the original colour was stone grey and then they couldn't even be bothered so they made it crayon. Like, yeah, mm, I know. They could have just that's... done stone grey, paint a sample and they didn't bother to do that. That was a bit weak. That was a bit weak, yeah, that bit one. Yeah, on the nose. But, yeah. you know, let's just go through, let's just go through a couple of the 911 um, special editions, yep. anniversary editions. Um, yep. there, there could be more. Like I said, we're not experts. We're just enthusiasts here. So there, there could be more. So don't tell me I've missed out on one because I possibly have missed one. 
But the ones of note mm-hmm. to us, the ones of note, first one is the one, the um, G-Series, the 3.2 Carrera one that came out in 1989, 1989 mm-hmm. which was the 25th anniversary 9-11, Steve. I noticed mm-hmm. there was one for sale on Road Scholars. It could be an old, it could have been an old one. It was a ca- cabriolet. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it came in a coupe as well, did it? Or was it just a cabriolet? No idea. I wasn't actually that familiar with that one. Yeah, so it... 911s, you have a few choices. And I think 911 anniversary models have kept their value, have increased in value a little bit, except for one, which I don't think it has. I mean, Hmm. I'm not sure how much more over retail there were than normal prices. I don't really have the prices, so I don't know. But I think they maybe they are keeping a little bit more value. But the 25th year uh, of the 911, they did a um, Mm -hmm. farewell to the 3.2-litre Carrera Flat 6, they released, mm-hmm. oh, they did. They released 300, 300 coupes and 200 cabriolets, special anniversary mm-hmm. edition 911s. The one at Road Scholars was a cab. Mm-hmm. I think the options was they there had. Was a premium on it? Could you tell? What was that? Is there a premium on the price? Uh, Can you tell? Like, compared I didn't to... know. I have to open the link. I haven't opened the link. It's okay. Anyway, it was, it was on um, Road Scholars. Go and have a look at Road Scholars if you're listening. But it was, it was silk grey leather interior, black accents, colour to match, uh, Fuchs wheels, uh, leather upholstered centre console, uh, outside air temperature gauge, short shifter, and anniversary badging. So pretty much what they're doing now, Porsche hasn't really changed the way they do these anniversary models. You know, they, this one mm-hmm. I don't think it was even upped in power. It just had basically cosmetic, um, cosmetic upgrade, yep. upgrade, Steve. That was it. You know, so that, that, was, that was, I guess, the first one of note. The next one was the one in 1993. The one in 1993 I actually quite like. Uh, that was the 911. I think the most 30th, people do. Yeah, the yeah. 30th anniversary Juby model, which is quite sought after now. And this one has appreciated a lot, hasn't it? Uh, Viola metallic, which looks purple. Uh, Rube, uh, the gray yeah. interior. So it's a 964 30th anniversary edition. I haven't seen any come up for sale in Australia. Have you? I had a quick look because um, I was just trying to um, get my head around these special editions and I noticed the last, uh, the search kind of came up, one sold at Classic Throttle Shop for 180 grand. I don't know how many years ago that was. Um, so that's a pretty pretty kind of fair premium. Um, I, look, I, I remember when I had my 964, my first 911, and um, um, I kind of lost it after that. But I think it was... Part of that was because um, it had the turbo body on it, so it basically had the kind of you know the wide um, uh, the wide uh, flared wheel arches, which are really kind of noticeable in the nine six four. Um, I thought in Australia that they had only sold that in um, in tip, but then I kind of just dug around a little bit more, and it was a manual as well. So oh, really? That would wow. Be, Wonder what they would yeah, go that for would now. Be a, because well, that one at Throttle Shop was a hundred. That was a manual as well. Okay, but you said that one at Throttle Shop that you saw it must have been an older listing for one hundred ninety thousand. One hundred eighty thousand. It sold a okay. while ago. It just, Auto. Yeah. You saw the Carrera Four in black for sale at Auto House Hamilton for one hundred seventy nine thousand dollars Australian dollars. No. They've got a Carrera 4. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I did, I did, I did. Yeah, yep. they've got a Carrera 4 listed for 179000 I think that's just it's just crazy. That's just crazy money. I'm sorry. It's just what's happening with values, isn't it? You know? Like, I don't know, 964s, like, um, they're so popular now. They are, they are. But the Juby model, like Steve said, was really, really cool because it did have the wide turbo body. It was a Carrera 4, though. 
but it had that turbo body. Um, it didn't have the big wing on the back, right? It didn't have any. No, no, it didn't and maybe. Have the... I think from memory, um, somebody will kind of sing out and kind of correct us, or somebody will be shaking their head listening to this. But I think it was that nine six four um, anniversary model was the precursor. That's kind of what invented, like then in the nine nine three, when you went to um, the four S and the the two the rear wheel drive. Um, S model with the wide body kit but no four-wheel drive. Right. That's sort of what invented uh, that kind okay. of Okay, it sort of led on to that in the 993, yeah. which is why the Carrera S in the 993 is so sought after, right? Because of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because it's sort of towards the end of the um, the um, lifespan of that car because that was released in, what, 1998, was it? Something something like that. Yeah. Well, the Jubilee so, model was two model years, 1993 and 1994. And I guess yeah. why it's so sought after today is they only did 911 vehicles over the cab it's and just, coupe. It essentially is the turbo look but without having turbos and, like, four-wheel drive um, and all that sort of Which thing. everyone so likes. kind of made it more. Don't yeah. they? It's that wide-body thing that's always attractive. Yep. But, you know, they did that but, a little bit. So, you know, going on to the next one then, they kind of they kind of did this on the 996 because the next one that came up was the 40th anniversary. And the 40th yep. anniversary was in uh, uh, 2003. I think it was a yep. 2004 model year maybe, but it was 2003 it was launched. It was the 996 Carrera 40th anniversary edition coupe, GT Silver yep. Metallic. Um, yep. It celebrated 40 years of the 911. It was sold in 2003, 2004. They made 1,963 of those, so yep. higher than the one before, which was only 911. Um, yep. Obviously, that was the year the 911 was introduced. Yep. I think there was about 200 came to the UK from one of the articles I read. So in the UK, they didn't get that many. I'm guessing Australia yeah. probably got less than that. Um, it was done in GT Silver Metallic. The guy on YouTube, uh, Sam from Seen Through Glasses, just bought one, actually. He's actually yeah, just yeah, bought yeah. one. Um, but it was Carrera GT. It was using the, the GT Silver, which was only in the Carrera GT supercar at the time. So it was actually a, quite a special color to have in a 996. Yep. Um, yep. And the best thing about that 996 um, anniversary model is it had that X51 power pack, Steve, as you know, is is yeah. pretty special. Yeah. That one is kind of appealing. Like when I see it, it's quite good. I know a lot of people changed the wheel, have had to change the wheels and had the wheels repainted <laughs> over the years. I was about to say, because it's got those horrible chrome looking, which is a very sort of 90s kind of thing. Or yeah, they were, kind of thing, they were chrome wheels and apparently the people were damaging them quite easily and then a lot of the models, yeah. a lot of the examples for sale today don't have those wheels. They don't have those wheels. People have resprayed them. So that's sort of what I mean. Like um, if you're into kind of chrome wheels and you were in the market, then it's like, yeah, that's a car for you. But for, say, if it's me, like I hate chrome wheels. So like I just yeah. couldn't cope with that. Um, and it would seem weird to kind of necessarily buy a car um, that had that option just for the sake of the fact that it's a limited edition thing, but I actually can't stand some of the detail in it. I think I don't mind, I don't mind this, this edition. I don't mind it. Mm. You know what I mean? The wheels, like you said, I'm not a yeah, fan. Yeah. I think it's one that is going to go a little bit crazy. I think it, it's it's under the radar still at the moment. Uh, I don't know if there's... It, I haven't seen any come up for sale in Australia in this model, I don't think. I don't think. Have you? Uh, yeah, I thought I did spot one. Maybe UK, there's a couple year. for sale still. 
But I think the most appealing thing, we'll come back onto this again, that X51 power pack, and this is in the article yep. that I read. It took the engine from 345 horsepower, which was 25 horsepower more than the standard, and it was second mm. only to the GT3 in terms of naturally aspirated 996 power. Mm. So, you know, that alone had that, sports suspension, it had limited slip um, diff, I think, didn't it? I'm pretty yeah, sure it did, yes. LSD. Um, had those yep. polished 18-inch Carrera 2 lightweight wheels, which I love or hate. Yep. And then it had, oh, that's right. This is what I was getting to. Yeah. It had the front air yeah, intakes from the turbo. It had the turbo front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. It had, actually, it was a part spin in a way. It had the GT3 turbo, it had the turbo front, Steve. Apparently, it yep. had the GT3 side sills. Yep. <laughs> so that all came together. Um, yep. And then sport suspension and the X51 power pack. When you, when you think about that 996, it's not bad, the package. You know, it doesn't look yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, for one yep. of those examples. It's probably one of the, the better ones. To me, that's one of the picks out of the 911. Um, and the other one... Well, I suppose with this one at least, the engine sort of package is at least a sort of discernible kind of improvement as opposed to it just kind of being purely cosmetic. Like I know um, when you read about Jethro Bovingdon's 996, that's sort of like a bit of a bitzer kind of thing, I think. He recently said that... Um, in redoing that car, he's getting um, an X51 engine put in it. And I think he was sort of saying that it's really, they're really kind of rare now. They're really, really hard to kind of come by those engines. Oh, right. Um, right. And that from his, you know, super murdering journo, um, kind of in his wisdom, um, that um, it actually is sort of like a significantly better engine. Apparently. I saw a 996 advertised actually in Australia that had the X51 yeah, I remember. Option. I remember. I think blue we, with the we really full-on wide wheels. Those with the bolts. Those wheels. It was one for sale. It's gone now. It's wasn't, gone now. It's a pretty expensive option to kind of get, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I did miss out one of. The, I did miss out one edition because you know I just yeah. think it's really ugly. I'm sorry. I think it was a mistake. It was the one that they brought out in 2000, <laughs> which was that Millennium, the Millennium edition. You know, like the world's going to change in 2000 or something. They brought out that Millennium mm -hmm. Edition uh, in 2000. I think it had tan interior and it was a bit... Was it purple? I think it was purple, wasn't it? Violet. I can't remember. That was, that was pretty awful. That was pretty awful. I think that was a mistake, that one. So mm -hmm. then, you know... So I don't know. Is 911... Other, other, are the special editions, anniversary editions in 911 better than the Boxster, Steve, you think? Or they're about comparable? Mm. I don't know, it depends. I about mean, the same, right? There's not a lot of difference. Yeah, it's about the same. Like the, the, the last one was the 50th anniversary, the 991. It was in geyser grey. It's got a plaque in it. It's got the wide body again. Um, I like this one. Things. I actually, I, I don't yeah. think you do, do you? I actually like this one. Uh, I like the colour. I like the colour of it. Um, I, I like a lot about, I like a lot of, of things in this car. I do like, um, in, obviously I like the interior. I mean, I noticed mm -hmm. there was one for sale in Australia in a place in Melbourne, a Porsche den, and didn't even have, I think it was yep. Porsche den, didn't have the Pepita. Someone had optioned it without the Pepita. I don't know why you would do right. that when it's part of the special edition, and that's what's one of the nice yep. things about it. I think it was a brown interior, wasn't it, originally? The, I think the standard was brown, Pepita, and then the, mm -hmm. you know, the crayon-type color and the, and the gray, yep. the darker gray. Yep. The other thing I found yep. was interesting with that model, apparently it also came in black. It's very weird yep. when you look at Porsche's website and it has the news report about it. It said it came in two colours only and then it said it was also available in black. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. 
seems, but that seems to be a running theme because that's even the um, the nine six four thirtieth anniversary was like that as well. Like um, there was the option for black as well. So I guess they're just kind of going, hey, you know, we'll kind of give you this sort of more overt special color, but if you don't like that, then how about black? But I, yeah, true. I don't think this one had any up in power. See, the only one that seemed to have a significant up in power was the 996 Anniversary Edition. I mean, this mm. one had the Carrera, is a Carrera, based on the Carrera S. Mm-hmm. It had, you know, PASM as, as standard. It said it had special tuning, but they didn't really say what sort of special tuning. I think it was more to do with suspension and the, and the setup of the suspension, wasn't it, I think? Had a sports mm-hmm. exhaust, which mm-hmm. they always add on to these editions. It had special wheels, yep. which they always add on to this edition. This one were like yep. harking back to the Fuchs. Yep. What else? And then it had, you know, better lights, I think, and that's about it. So I guess you're getting you're getting options, which I guess if you added those options up separately, they'd be more expensive. So you're kind of getting them packaged and they're a little bit cheaper, I would say. Yeah. So in a weird sort of way, it's not too dissimilar. Like if you were to kind of walk into a Porsche showroom and you kind of go, what's on a GTS? And the salesman kind of rattles off all the kind of extra bits and pieces on it. And you go, hmm. Effectively, that's sort of like a S, but it's probably got the pick of the kind of options. So if you were going to go and get like an S and pick at all those bits and pieces and it sort of effectively wound up kind of being a GTS, then you may as well just kind of get it. True. And I guess, and in this list, we have actually missed out, you know, one generation. And I kind of missed them out because I don't feel like they're in the same group as this, Steve. And that's the ones in the 997. You know the nine, and I haven't. We haven't spoke. We haven't talked about speedsters. I don't see speedsters as as the same grouping mm. as these ones because these are like anniversary editions or to do with racing. Of course, there's speedsters. You know that are brought speedsters out. Speedsters kind of different. Speedsters yeah. different. But then there is the um, sport classic in the nine nine seven. I wasn't sure whether the sport different classic well. should go in that, but I think the sport classic is different as well, right? It's not an anniversary well, edition. It's not a racing edition. I'll tell it's, you why they're different okay. because like the. The sports classic had the double bubble roof kind of thing. So like there's significant kind of changes to, you know, like the car, like the the interior wasn't just sort of like a different kind of leather. It was like, you know, they did like quite a few different things that they hadn't done before because that was sort of like an exclusive, that was done by the exclusive department, wasn't it? Yeah. And then... And that's what I grew A speedster. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, like a speedster, like whether it's a 964, 993, 997 or 991, um, that's not just sort of like um, a convertible, a cabrio with, um, you know, different paint kind of colours and different wheels. Like that's like significant, like the original ones had like the shorter windscreen and it had the kind of... um, Yeah, true. the, The thing over the kind of the, what do you call it? The convertible cover... Um, the cover, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the double bubble kind of yeah, thing again, bubble, all those yeah. sorts of things. So that's quite a. That's not just sort of like a, you know, like a cosmetic thing. Like they were quite different. And yeah, true. Again, and those ones are pretty numbers. special. You know, the you know they're pretty they special. Are the special, speedsters, yeah. you know, the sport classic, uh, you know, even you know GT3 RS 4.0. You know, these editions are not the same as what we're talking about. These are the ones we don't think, you know. In, our, in my opinion, I don't think they're that special. I, I would probably not buy one. Like I said, I do like the 2013 model. I think the 996 one is good because it's got the X51. The Boxsters, mm-hmm. mm, you know, the Boxsters, I'm not 100% sure I would get one. If one was really cheap used, maybe, Steve. You know, like I said, yeah. that one that came up, if it was very, very cheap, if it was the same price as an S or a little bit more, maybe. 
if, if all of a sudden I had budget to go and buy a used um, Boxster and, you know, like a special edition one kind of came up and it was, you know, a tiny bit more than like a normal Boxster S and I was in the market, like I wouldn't say no to it. No, um, no. I just wouldn't kind of go out of my way to kind of seek it and think that, um, you know, it would make me rich one day. No, because you are paying slight, a higher premium. You are paying more for this. Like mm. the 25th anniversary one in Australia, like I said, I think it's 180000 You know, you're paying more. Yeah. Yeah, when you sell it, you'll get a bit more, but you're also paying a lot more. It is, it is, you know, it is a box to S, so you are paying more for it. I don't know what the standard price of a box to S is these days. I don't even know. Maybe they are two hundred thousand. No, I don't know either. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm no thinking they're much cheaper, but they're they're sort of like where the nine eleven used to be two hundred thousand Australian is now three hundred thousand, and so the box yeah. has slipped into that two hundred thousand dollars spot. Wouldn't we haven't mentioned, yeah. you know what we haven't mentioned? We haven't mentioned the club versions. There are also also those club versions. They did. They did one for. Porsche Club of America, didn't they? The green yeah. one. There was another club version, I think, done for someone else as well. There have been there a couple a, of club... That other North American one that had the sort of Brumos um, yeah. livery, you know, like the yeah. white with the blue and the um, blue and the red kind of um, panels across it. Yeah. There and was those one, ones... like, recently, the Belgian edition that sort of celebrated Jackie X, which That's is a right. nice colour. That's right. That one was um, nice, the Jackie... But they're, 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 they are special. I think those ones are special, don't you? But they're very small mm, numbers, know. aren't they? Like twenty-five or thirty, they're like very, very small yeah. numbers. But uh, you, you could argue that it really is, you know, a couple of plaques and a special colour and maybe a different set of wheels. Yeah, um, if you want a special edition, you know, you should have bought the. We should have bought the Sport Classic. We should have bought the <laughs> GT3 RS 4.0. We should have bought the, yeah. uh, you know, the new Speedster, the 991 Speedster, the GT2 RS. 991.2 GT2 RS, you know, they're cars that are just going to, they're just going to go crazy. You know what I mean? I really like the um, the most recent Speedster. I like, love it. Do most people say that, do most people say that it's good? Like does Spike and Zuckerman, or I, I, I sensed a little bit of cynicism um, from they, one of them. They didn't like it. the Touring though, did they? They got rid of the Touring, right? They didn't think much of it. Yeah. Found that a little bit interesting. Yeah, um, I remember a bit they said odd, that. Bit, sorry, a bit surprising, but you know, I don't know. But I, I love that speedster. I would have got it in the heritage pack as well. I would have gone all out. I would have done the heritage yeah, pack. Yeah, mind the heritage pack. Yep, yeah. I would have just done it. You know what I mean? Maybe no number on the side. You could have chosen the number on the side. They gave you the choice. Maybe just the white um, donut, whatever you call it. No number. Gumball. Yeah, gumball. No, no number. But that's a beautiful yeah. car. But they're still, they're still high seven hundreds in Australia, mate. You know. You wow. know what has come down yeah. though the GT2 RS. I saw one. Mm. They were up at eight hundred thousand odd dollars in Australia. I think I saw one the other day it was five nine nine. Well, you should get one then. Yeah, I was thinking about you actually. <laughs> then I could buy you. Yeah. Then I'll take your car. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then on the costume. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, special editions. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, let me know through Instagram if you want on Porsche Cooled. Um, follow Porsche Cooled if you haven't been to it already. But, you know, the not so special editions, I guess. Uh, you know, are the special yeah. editions really that special, Steve? Don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. You know what I mean? It really is. There's obviously a market for it. People keep, uh, Porsche keep doing it. They've done it for like a long time now and they keep doing it out. You know, unless they just like to celebrate it. They're not the it. only ones too. They're not the only ones. Like you can get special, edi special edition MX-5s, watches, yeah, shoes, true, true. Like everything. 
everything's a special edition until it's Ferrari not does so special it. anymore. Ferrari does yeah. it. Everyone does it. Yep. Maybe that's the problem. Everyone does it. Um, but I think if you're looking for a special edition Porsche, don't look at the ones that say they're a special edition. Look at the model that you like. That model you like will eventually turn into something very, very special. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. That's it for today. Steve, anything else before we go? We're, we're over time. We're mm. at hour 15. We've talked too much today. No, all good. I've mumbled enough. So um, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, Steve, I just want to thank everyone for supporting the podcast. 70 episodes, like I said, we couldn't have done it. Steve and I couldn't have kept talking without you guys like supporting us. Sometimes, I, like I said, I don't know how we got here, but we're here. We're at 70. Let's see if we can get to 80. Hopefully we can keep going, but um, we're eventually going to run out of steam, I think. Don't say that, Steve. Mate. Actually, <laughs> consider this the um, 70th special edition um, episode podcast thing. Yeah. There you go. Makes it more special. This is the 70th edition Porsche School podcast. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Never to be done again. Never to be seen again. Never. Only appreciating in value over the years. You listen to this podcast in five years' time and it'll, have, it'll just mean so much more than it does now. Yeah, it's so much more valuable than the 71st podcast or the 69th. Yep. All right. Yeah. That's it. See you, mate. Cool. Cheers, man. See you. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche School podcast. Um, like I said, that was Steve from Sydney. My name is Michael Barth. If you haven't followed us on um, Instagram, follow Porsche School on Instagram. If you want to contact me about anything, if you want to be on owner stories, just send me a message through um, that Instagram. That's the best way to get a hold of me. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. <laughs>